Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Hello, 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 mamas and papas and friends of all ages. We're super pumped tonight. We have Jay Baum. She's a registered dietitian and the owner of Pometa Nutrition, a private practice that focuses on infant, toddler, and family nutrition. Jay uses an intuitive eating approach with an emphasis on eating competence, eating competence, competence. That's the word, right? It is competence. Okay. To help families <laughs> meet their nutrition and mealtime goals. I'm so excited, Jay. Yay, Thanks for being Jay. here. Okay, Jay, we love you. I like love your content. I love everything you post. Thanks, Alana. Okay, what do we, what do you do for people that don't know yeah, you? Yeah, let's talk about yeah. Jay. So I run a private practice where I work with families and I do I kind of have, I guess, almost like three pockets three pockets of people that I tend to see. So the first would be families who have kids who have need actual medical nutrition therapy. So right now I have a ton of people that have babies with really bad reflux. And so just really working with them around because they're so scared about the introduction to solids. Same thing with allergies. Um, Also first time parents, but a lot of parents who have one or two older kids who already had massive problems with allergies. And then the other one is I get a lot of referrals um, from doctors for kids that have failure to thrive or growth faltering, and that could be for many reasons. So that's kind of the main nutritional ones that I see that way. Mm -hmm. A lot of people for picky eating, and that ranges a lot from kind of two years old, parents might start coming to see me, to up to, right now I'm working with a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old. I actually have some adults in my practice that have very, very minimal food acceptance. So that's one piece. And then the other one is really... um, the people that come to me through you, Alana, <laughs> like are, I get a lot of like really? that's yeah, it's sort of the moms that have a lot of nutrition knowledge, but mm-hmm. it's almost like too much. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out for themselves um, or their families for their babies. OK. And so they're trying to figure out like they're like the to navigate all of this information out yes. there. And a lot of moms that will be like, I absolutely want to do baby led weaning, but I'm scared to do it and yes. I need more information. Does this make sense? Jay, right? if I tell you between the two of you bitches, Dina and Jay, <laughs> I think about you at every meal time. <laughs> I'm like, what would Jay do? I'm like, how do I feed a berry? Hmm. What would Dina do? Or like the little heads food? on your shoulders? Yeah. You're like, Jay's over there. Dina's over here. Because I think at this age with Essa, especially sort of seven, seven months in and we started solids like right at I think five and a half or six yeah. months and I did baby led weaning 
yeah. leaning or leading, whatever it's called. You'll explain the difference soon. Um, this time around, I like was thinking about it all the time. And every time I'm watching her eat, I'm like so proud and excited that like this is how my kid's eating. I like I am almost in shock every Aww. single time. And it was the Jewish holidays recently, and it's like food, you know? And my six month old is sitting there with a piece of roast beef hanging out of her mouth. And you inspired me because you're like, This is my son, he has asparagus and steak. I'm like, Yes, this is gonna be that. <laughs> and my entire family on one side of the table was staring at us at being like, Is this a joke? I'm like, nope, she's literally eating roast beef right now. Like just literally two hands hanging out of her mouth and just gnawing on roast beef. And you do it with your kids too, of yeah, course. Yeah, my so. kids were eating pieces of food, feeding themselves steak. by you five months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I took a video of like all sorts of new foods that Austin, my now 21 month old, was having because people ask me all the time, like how could they eat steak or chicken mm-hmm. or, you know, vegetables or fruit or anything without any teeth? And he had zero teeth at five months. And I have lots of video of him literally like feeding himself or me feeding him, yeah. you know, pieces of steak. My kids were eating pieces of food very early. So we kind of did like the pseudo baby led weaning thing. But why, why, don't, why don't you... Cause this is a very common question we get yeah, all the time. So what is baby led weaning and how does that differ from yeah. us feeding them and them yeah. whatever themselves? Yeah. So baby led weaning, the weaning piece literally just means weaning from the spoon. So the idea with it is that um, a parent or caregiver is never putting anything into the baby's mouth. Um, and so oftentimes we start that for kids that are starting solids around six months. If they're starting earlier, mm-hmm. it might not be appropriate. If they have any developmental delays or um, there's various reasons why a kid may not be great for baby led weaning. And I kind of go through that with parents when I work with them individually. But then... I find that a lot of parents do really well or a lot of babies do well with a bit of a combination of... Amen. I'm so glad you're saying yes, this. Yeah. Because I think... so. Combination of what? A combination of spoon feeding uh-huh. or puree feeding and, and self-feeding. Right. Which you did as well. I do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Every meal is like... Jay, I have a question for you. Okay. okay. Every, every podcast is my consultation. <laughs> so, so what I will do is I'll load a spoon. Right. And then I hand it to Essa. Yes. And then she puts it in her mouth yeah. herself. So I won't, and I won't let anyone really, like let like if even if you try, she doesn't understand. Like it has to come from her, and then she'll take it and she'll drop it. And when she's done, she's literally done. Like we know she's done because she's like, nope, nothing. She's not grabbing for anything anymore. But my daughter will sit for like an hour to eat versus my son who like won't, which is another story. But but okay, so here's my question about baby led weaning, and weaning is the W, weaning the spoon and all this behavior. Mm-hmm. Like why is this good? Yeah, so that's yeah. a great question. Yeah, why is this like a thing even? Yeah. Like I'm proud of her and I understand, but I've never like read. I just like, okay, Jay says to do it. So Diva says to do it. So why? <laughs> well, the, yes, I know. I'll, maybe you can answer the question then I'll say what I suggest. Okay, go for yeah. it. Yeah, so with it, I think that... Um, it's definitely following the baby's lead. So exactly what you're saying there, that mm-hmm. idea about when she's done, she's done. I know she's done. Yeah. That's really important because I find oftentimes with parents who are spoon feeding or caregivers, those signals get lost. And so I find that oftentimes parents are overfeeding or it becomes a battle because the kid wants to Mm self-feed and so they start eating less. And so it becomes a bit of a struggle. And so that's one reason. Another reason is really that it helps with a lot of the sensory motor development. Uh I also find, and this is anecdotal, But I find that a lot of times the parents that are coming to me with picky eaters are the babies that have had really um, 
simple, easy foods or textures, and they didn't advance textures early enough. So what happens sometimes is parents, I'm working with a bunch of parents now who are 10 months and they haven't introduced finger foods Mm -hmm. and that's a problem. Yeah, I see this a lot as well. So babies that are getting mush endlessly, they're only eating Mm -hmm. purees, usually because parents are quite fearful about choking. Mm -hmm. So they only get purees, the kids get used to that, and then you give them any textures and they choke and sputter on it because they don't know how to eat. They haven't learned those oral motor skills to learn how to chew. Oral motor skills. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a skill to learn how to eat. You you have to be exposed to it to get good at it, Mm -hmm. right? So the earlier you expose them, if they're able to do that developmentally, the better it is. And I find that kids um, much more likely to have picky eating if they only had one taste, mushed completely, completely pureed, offered on a spoon, never had any um, option to have texture. And and it usually, from my experience, comes from fear. Parents are very scared of their kids choking on things. And then also I think that fear translates to the child too. So if a mom or parent or caregiver is very anxious about feeding their child, I feel like that tension and anxiety Mm -hmm. comes onto the kid. And then I think the kid takes that in as eating is not a good thing, eating is not positive, eating isn't social, eating makes my parent stressed. And so I I see a lot of kids that end up being stressed about eating that way. So before we go farther, maybe I'll just say what I um, typically recommend because I think I'll make the conversation clearer Mm -hmm. from where I come from. So I find that most children are interested in starting solids around four to five months. And some babies are the exception to that rule, but the vast majority seem to be interested. And that isn't to say that I'm not pro-breastfeeding long-term, because I absolutely am, and I'm still breastfeeding my 21-month-old, but that became much, much, much less part of his diet somewhere between six and nine months. So I'm all about breastfeeding as long as you want, but I don't recommend solely, exclusively breastfeeding till six months or a year, what other people suggest, because I think that you do, again, oral motorly, I think it's an important skill to learn to develop. And breast milk has some nutrients, but it certainly doesn't have everything, including things like iron. So it's really important to have another iron source. But this is to say that kids when they're interested, so they might be learning, leaning towards caregivers or trying to grab their spoon or sitting at the table with them. Ideally, you're bringing them to the table to see what you're up to. Mm-hmm. They seem to be interested and, and eager to try something. Following their following their eyes or 100%. using their hands. Yeah. Or, yeah okay. If they're like not into it or they're not exposed to it, um, then then you wait and you expose them and see if they're interested. Uh-huh. Breast milk is, or, or formula, whatever you're feeding your baby, is still the main part of the diet till at least six months, but somewhere between six and nine months, most kids will start having more food and less milk. Again, breastfeed as much as you want or give you know formula as much as you want or as much as the baby wants, but food becomes much more important after about six months. Mm-hmm. Not the sole part of their diet, but more important. So I personally offer mushy or pureed foods at around four to five months when kids are interested. They can't yet pick up food and eat it. They just don't have the skills to do that. Yeah. So if you're fully expecting your child to start eating only pieces of food and self-feeding, you're waiting till at least six months or longer. Yeah. Right. Because kids don't have the skills to pick up Even a piece of food up. and fill it and, and set up independently, Sitting. et cetera. Yeah. yeah they the just bumbo. don't have those skills, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing is about starting solids before six months is we know very well now hundreds, maybe thousands of studies. Yeah. Allergies. So that basically back in the day, like when we were growing up in the eighties, a lot of parents delayed the introduction of allergens like peanuts and eggs and fish and and wheat Mm -hmm. for fear of allergies. We know now very well, very, very well studied that early introduction of allergens, peanut butter, eggs, fish, et cetera, Mm -hmm. between four and six months Mm -hmm. provides you protection, less risk of allergies Mm -hmm. than if you delay them. 
So I don't recommend to families to wait till six months plus to introduce foods, including allergens, Mm -hmm. for the reason, again, that they seem to be interested, allergy protection, and developing those oral motor skills. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not replacing milk. It's Mm -hmm. it's dessert to the milk feed, but I do introduce solids then. And Mm -hmm. I I suggest doing um, mushy stuff for the first month or two, and then as fast as they're seemingly interested or able, then I start incorporating pieces of food. Yeah. I don't do chunky. I don't like chunky. I find that kids understand smooth and they understand pieces mm-hmm. and chunky often is confusing. So they put it in their mouth and then they think expect it to be smooth, but then there's a chunk and then they often I find more choke on it. Right. Sort of like, you know, if you get a smoothie and it's not completely smooth and you're like sipping it, it's thin yeah. and then you get a chunk and it's like, like you like almost choke on it. Right. The same concept for me for chunky food. So I go from mush to discrete pieces and I don't necessarily get rid of mush when I go to the discrete pieces I'm offering both and you could put on your kid's spoon and they could feed themselves or you can top them up a little bit Mm -hmm. but once they're able to start self-feeding that becomes the main part of the meal and then topping them up if they're interested because otherwise meals last forever as well because kids can't feed themselves very quickly because they're babies Um, yeah and then for us like between six and nine months we were off of mush and we were on to just self-feeding Totally. And if they needed a bit of top up, then we did that. But, um, but I did do mush for the first couple months. So yeah, it's like a combo. I love that Dina said that because I find that a lot of doctors, um, are still recommending mush for a very long time, at least in the clients that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing also a lot of parents who are really focused on like on the flip side, really just doing baby led weaning and they're waiting and I am getting a lot of babies in my practice with failure to thrive diagnosis growth faltering so they're dropping so it means they're dropping off their curve and when you do the history a lot of times it's that they've delayed introduction of solids when they did start it it didn't go well I find with a lot and this is a bit of a you know, a generalization, but I do find that a lot of times parents who've decided on, I I get a type of mom, a mom who's really got this romantic vision of baby led weaning. Yeah. And they think that they're just going to start doing it and it's all going to go well and baby's just going to be like self-feeding really great and there's not going to be any issues. And then it doesn't go well and they go online and they search up stuff and they come across these, there's crazy blogs out there, right? Dr. Google. Oh gosh. But the baby led weaning ones, and I'm probably going to get tons of (laughs) comments and hate mail for this, but I can't even go on those sites anymore. And I, I find there's so much bad information and I have clients that will send me screenshots all the time of things like telling inappropriate textures of food. So things like today I got sent a bunch about, you know, pictures of babies eating full apples and I'm like that's not a first food for a baby like a full apple they don't have the skills for that like and yeah and mm-hmm. and what are you getting out of it right like and so a lot of times then they won't introduce any iron um and then baby's not eating well and then baby starts losing weight well not losing weight but not growing well sometimes they do lose weight actually yeah. the, the mantra or like the dogma food before one is just for fun i wish it could be completely erased yeah. from vernacular i just thought you posted i know because I, I i get asked about it's that almost advice. every day it really is so you know i i I can show a growth curve of kids that are mm-hmm. mostly or exclusively breastfeeding mm-hmm. after nine months and they all plateau with their weight. Yeah. It is not enough calories. It is not enough iron. It's not enough nutrients. Breast milk is 
great. I'm like so pro breastfeeding as everybody knows, still breastfeeding my toddler, but it is not enough calories. It is not enough nutrition for a growing Mm. child. After six months, you need to introduce some sort of food. You just do. It doesn't have to be the full part of their diet, but but by nine months for sure, food should be the much bigger source of nutrition. Guys, why? Okay. Here's my question. I'm being totally honest and I, I just don't understand. Eating is stressful, right? I think feeding is kid is a stressful eating, experience, okay. right? It's not like, and for me, I'm like, oh my God, at first I started, I'm like, I delay a bit because I'm like, this is just fucking annoying. I don't want to fucking work. cut for you. It's I don't messy. Fucking clean yeah. up for yeah. you. It's fucking But irritating. it's also really fun and cute. And then it gets good, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So mm-hmm. I think it's like anything else in parenting, you got to get over that fucking curb, curve, curve, um, curb. Alana, <laughs> 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 focus. Um, that that then 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 you thrive right so it's mm-hmm. like you got to survive and then you got to thrive a bit mm-hmm. right but why would a parent not feed their kid until nine months old like are they scared they just don't know the information yeah like, like there's i think there's a fear factor for sure i mean the, yeah. the choking thing is a real one a lot of families are very very scared they're gonna give their kids food and choke so but by delaying it again they don't learn that skill and then those are the kids that do is choke and sputter on things mm-hmm. and the longer you delay them they're the worse that skill is and so it becomes more and more challenging to feed them and and then they get almost like addicted to pureed or or milk like i i have a ton of patients even though i counsel on this all the time like at every visit as you know that are drinking liters of milk every day and their weight may be okay because they're getting a ton of fat from milk but no iron they become iron deficient and then they won't take food because they're scared of food and parents are scared of food and you know they're growing because they're having tons of fat from the milk um we're talking like milk milk right like you don't get tons of uh, there's not enough calories in, Mm -hmm. in breast milk anymore um after nine months but um then they become fearful and the kids just suck at eating. And then you're you're training a child who's who's fearful or doesn't have the oral skills for it. And then the parents are really stressed about it, like I said. So they're going mm-hmm. into the experience stressed. I think eating should be a social experience. Like Absolutely. we should be eating together, enjoying each other's time, enjoying mm-hmm. the same foods. Like who says the kid has to eat a completely different diet than you of, comp- of, of only pureed, non-tasty, non-spiced um, you know, up or herbed up yeah. or why does it have to be bland and disgusting? And then when kids don't like the food and you're like, well, yeah, all they did was mush up a banana or all they yeah, did was puree gross. a potato <laughs> yeah. and I gave you no salt or spices or anything. Kids should be eating what we're Ooh. eating. Okay, let's talk about salt. Tell salt. me about salt. So, yeah. I mean, they say no salt and parents get super, super freaked out about it. I'm not this. sure who says that. I don't say that, but okay. yeah. Well, the, I, get, I see t- every day, Parents come to me with handouts from their doctor's offices. Really? They say no salt till when? All the time. I also have two doctors that today I was shown, today one and a couple weeks ago another one, where the recommendation was to continue feeding purees until your baby has teeth. <laughs> hmm. that's, a, that's a common question, actually. People ask me all the time, like, it's but they like have no teeth, how they can eat? Yeah, they don't need teeth to yeah. eat. So, yeah. so <laughs> they definitely don't need teeth to eat, but also, just think about it this way. Babies typically get the bottom two teeth in the center, um, on the bottom, followed by the top two teeth in the center, and then they slowly kind of go out from there. Kids don't have molars typically till like around one, if not later. So yeah, your child may bite into something with their front teeth, but they chew with the back teeth. Mm-hmm. So you're waiting till like a year or later for them to get molars in. You're not mm-hmm. obviously waiting for food to then. So right. teeth, 
early on doesn't mean no. anything. They I don't cannot, do anything with those teeth. I can't believe what my seven month old can eat right now. Yeah, it's amazing, everything, right? Literally right? Literally everything. It's, I'm like, yes. and I'm running out of things to do because we're like a pretty boring. Like we eat eggs in my family. We yeah. in a lot and we have toast in the Give what the you kids. have. We give them everything and my daughter is now eats everything we eat but my son, he's watershed. Like I fucked <laughs> him up already, you know? It's like pizza for Elias and all of us are having steak, you know? So I need to get him back onto that and I still, I'll say to him now like, well, barbecue chicken breast for everyone on the barbecue and we'll cut it into strips and give it to Essa and I'll say to Elias, do you want a chicken strip? No. Well, Essa's having one. Okay, then I'll have it. Mm. So it's become like a thing So now. be careful with that, eh? Because I see those little ones who've now yeah. been trained well yes. as they start to get older then they watch their bigger siblings being, being jerks and then they completely regress. Okay. You need to get him on the same page as you guys. I'm, I'm all about one out. plate of food. Everyone has the same food, even yeah. from, from mommy and mommy. So that's totally yeah. so where the, it goes. Like, yeah, I think, you know, when I was on your Instagram page, yeah. lots of questions about the division of responsibility. Is, so is that something that we're familiar with or should I explain that a little Go. bit? Go for yeah. It. yeah. Assume zero. We start from ground floor. Okay. Yeah. So really when it comes to feeding, starting early with the division of responsibility, and this is a feeding model that is um, based on Ellen Satter's work. She's a dietitian and feeding therapist in the States. And she pretty much has the gold standard for how to feed families or children. Um, she's so good that like, I guess not this past February, last February, I went to Wisconsin to do some training in person with her. It's like fucking blizzard. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people at this. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a convention. It was a like course. So you yeah. actually got to, to meet her and work one-on-one -on -one and yeah. all of this with her, right? Um, so what is it called again? Division of Responsibility. Okay. And so the idea really is that uh, parents or adults or caregivers have one job and your kids have another job. And the idea really is, and I see this every day, that when you cross jobs or you're doing the other person's job, that's when problems happen and feeding dynamics develop and you get those mealtime battles. Or So the idea is that you're the adult, the parent is responsible for the what, when, and where. So that's exactly what Dean is talking about, like... You decide what you're going to feed the kids, when their dinner is, and where you're going to eat it. And if they don't want to eat that, their job is to decide whether they eat it or not. And you're not catering to them in the sense that if mm -hmm. they decide, okay, we're having, I don't know, like you said, like barbecue chicken and mm -hmm. we're having corn on the cob and we're having beans or something like that. The idea is if they don't eat, want to eat that, you're not providing them something else. Mm -hmm. um, for kids that kind of start with this really early, oftentimes they just get used to it and they pick and choose from what is offered to them on their plate and they eat enough and if they're not that hungry one day, that's fine. They'll make up for it at the next meal. Whereas when we get into the problem is so picky eating. Um, kids that already have maybe been saying, I don't want this and been getting other options. Mm -hmm. At that point, what we usually have to do is um, introduce at least one food that's, I mean, we sometimes call it a safe food or a food that is more readily accepted. And so there's at least one item mm -hmm. at the meal that they feel comfortable with yeah. and then hopefully moving them on to some of the other ones. And oh, so smart. Yeah. Friend it's, association. Did I see that on your feed? The association thing? 
Um, or like it's a positive food that they like. Like imagine my son likes corn, but he doesn't necessarily eat steak and asparagus. Mm-hmm. But if he sees the corn and he associates it with the best friend, yeah, which is the steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but at the same time, if he just eats the corn, I still would not provide him something else to eat. Mm-hmm. I would encourage exactly. him to try everything, but in no forceful way. Like I think that mealtime has become very much a battleground for many mm-hmm. families. Yes. And there's a negotiation. There's like if you do this, I'll do this or you can't get this. And there's like a lot of fighting. Yeah. I'm like no fighting, no battleground no. at mealtime. Here's the offering. If you try something in a reasonable amount on the plate, one of everything, by the way. So I wouldn't just let him eat corn. Well, actually, if you just ate corn, I'd be like, okay, well, that's the meal. That's yeah. all we're, got, we're all getting. Mm. But for me personally, we have one plate of food. If my kids eat a reasonable amount of all the various things on the on the plate, then in my family, they could have fruit. That's like our next stage. And then if they have their fruit in a good way, then they could pick something of their choice. Mm. But I wouldn't give them the bagel because they need the meal or make eggs or give them pizza or whatever it yeah. is. But like if you want half a bagel at the end of your meal, that's okay with me as long as you're yeah. eating well. And if they don't eat too bad, so sad, that is all they're getting. I am not offering anything else. And they can't uh-huh. come back to ours later and say they're hungry. Yeah. And if they wake up at two in the morning, I'm also not feeding them then. Mm-hmm. Nor will I give them more milk. That's another right. another thing a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and then too bad, so bad. The next day is a new meal and start again at breakfast. And if you mm-hmm. do that with consistency and not fighting about it, it should be truly a social experience. Find out about their day, sit face to face, enjoy each other's company. Um, and then and then mealtime becomes easy, truly. And they may eat great one day and not eat great the next day. Right. If one of my kids doesn't eat well, I don't care. I we really, we I have no anxiety about it. We don't fuss about it the next day they will eat more. You know, some days are great and some days are not. Yeah. And there's a variety of things and we don't fight about it. So Jay, mm-hmm. if we're already down the path of like having a kid who doesn't sit at the table, yeah. how do you correct that behavior? Is yeah. It, is it, is it, of course it's, you know, kids eat charcuterie, you know, in their adult life and eat oysters and caviar and stuff like that after they mm-hmm. only eat pasta their whole life. So mm-hmm. how do you correct it sooner to make it less of a total pain in the fucking ass? Yeah, it kind of depends how far down the road you kind of have gone Are. already. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would say... What Dina's talking about works really well for kids that have had that structure right Mm -hmm. from the beginning. I often have parents that will have been, you know, the the lines have been crossing for a long time. They've been catering for a really long time. And then all of a sudden they go to that model. Mm -hmm. And I see kids that literally just don't eat for days on end. I've never seen that. I've seen one kid once that went eat for like two days. The problem is that oftentimes there's other people are like, yeah. are, 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 are slipping in some food or they're going yeah. to grandparents' house or mom and dad are not on the same page or grandparents on the same page. Yeah. But if you're really consistent, truly, even the hardest worst eaters, they, they come around. But parents have to be hardcore and they're typically not the yeah. hardcore families. Yeah, and most families. parents aren't going, like, yeah. Yeah. I would say that I have not worked with many families where they feel comfortable just going for it. And yeah. I, do, I think that, for me anyway, is the norm. And so oftentimes it's looking at doing it. In, 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 and so that's the big thing, I think, around feeding. Yeah. I am never going to come in, like when I do an assessment for a family, I'm never going to come in and be like, you have to do it this way. Right. This is the way it's going to work because a lot of times there's already this huge emotional baggage around feeding. And so we talk and see what they would be comfortable with. And it's usually in stages. So oftentimes it would be just starting with structure because I find a lot of times that kids that have 
parents who have kids that are picky eaters, one of the big things is that kids are snacking or grazing all day, all day long. That. That's pet peeve. Yeah, yeah, and I hate that as well. well I you find think your kid doesn't have appetite for dinner. Like, what did they eat an no. hour ago? They ate a yeah. bagel or a bag and of chips. Of course, they're not a hungry. A lot of the times, the snacks foods aren't very nutritious, yeah, even if it's even if it's just. Or even though I have kids that all they eat is fruit all day long and then they don't eat any protein or iron and just it's just really unbalanced. So usually the first thing we do is figure out let's let's get that schedule going. So what is mm-hmm. it that you're going to do? Are you I mean I'm always going to suggest three meals and then depending on what the family looks like up to three snacks maximum three snacks in a day and that's usually and a lot of kids don't actually need that many snacks so for instance my son at his school they get an opportunity to have snack four freaking times a day which is bonkers to me eating like every hour they could be if they wanted to Mm -hmm. and my son usually doesn't he usually brings one snack and that's all he needs. And if I give him more or he he packs his own snacks, if he brings more, they usually come home. So I think it's that idea that you're really trying to set them up to have those three meals mm-hmm. and try to work around that. That's the first step. And then once that's established, the idea about, so you said, does he sit at the table? So if so, we, we don't have, we don't have a routine every single night where yeah. we're all sitting together mm-hmm. all, every single night. But we do make an effort to make sure that at least one meal, if it's breakfast or dinner, that we are yeah. trying to sit together. So breakfast on the weekends, for sure, always. Dinner, I would say, I would say like probably 60%. Yeah. We're sitting together as a family. It's not 100%. Yeah. And it's I, fine, I don't... Yeah. And then the reality is that yeah. we can't all sit down as a family together. Yeah. And most of the time with the families I work with in my own family, there's only one parent home. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. So it's more just the consistency. So the idea that um, trying to, even if you're not eating with them, trying to have some time that you're sitting and it's a nice um, social experience, yeah. exactly like you're saying. We really look forward to the weekend breakfast because it's like mm-hmm. my husband will make something mm-hmm. nice. We'll make pancakes, we'll have bacon, we'll have eggs, you know, we'll have a coffee, we'll all sit together. Yeah. It's really, 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 really lovely. And then, um, on the weekends or weekdays, like if we can sit together, we will. But we've definitely got into a very, I think, a bad habit of we, will, me, Matt, and SL will eat the same thing, mm-hmm. and then we're always making food for Elias. Like whatever it is, it's something else for him. So yeah. it's like chicken. It's like kid food, like yeah. chicken fingers or 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 pierogies or mm-hmm. um, or freaking basically cheese and pizza and and cheese and starch and. A meat, but my son will sit and eat like a burger. Like he'll eat like mm-hmm. the meat of the burger without the bun, or he'll eat like any sausage encased anything or any yeah. deli meat. And so, he has protein. I mean, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. too bad, right? Yeah. And so at that point, it would be more thinking about okay, fruits and vegetables are not let's... like part of his. It's a struggle. <laughs> not even fruit. Well, I'll give him like a pear. He likes pears yeah. and apples. He'll eat a whole apple by himself. He'll eat a pear by himself. Yeah. Like strawberries, if he's socially, like he eats the best. I'm not kidding. When I'm at a toddler party and there's a freaking picnic bench and four kids are eating yeah. together. So how is he eating at daycare? How are, yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So this this is most so typical I find. Yeah. Yes. So kids eat socially. So I hear yes. a lot, you know, that he eats nothing at dinner. He won't eat anything yes. at breakfast. But at, at daycare, it's amazing. It's amazing he eats so well yes. because it's one option yes. and it's a social experience. Yes. And there's the the nice peer pressure of your friends eating this and you want to yes. try this and there's not they're not going to make you a sandwich. Right. They're, there's one option and the right. kids know it's one option so they eat it well. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. I wonder, Jay, how many parents or Dina, maybe 
maybe find this too is like they talk about that eating is a problem in their family but like how much time and energy can a family actually spend trying to correct this right like do people really what, double short, down it's on short term game versus long term consequence right? right do you want to fight about it every day for the rest of your life because right. you will because it's not going to become better they're not going to suddenly no, at five in my experience it gets it harder worse. 100% yeah. I agree and the older they get the harder it gets yeah they become more and more restrictive I find over right. time so either you fight about it every day for years or you get a handle of it in three or four days. Right. Yeah. That's really my experience. Interesting. Yeah, it's like sleep training. Right. It's really no different. It's just training. Guys, it's I'm telling you, like in the MomCO community, which I think is like a general breadth and depth of society mm. for moms, mm -hmm. is like we could talk about this every day, all day, nonstop. So I understand why for you it's a full time business and for you why it's this a huge is like you're passionate, passionate yeah. about it. So yeah. and yeah. that's amazing that like I, my experience is a lot of doctors don't talk about feeding yeah. and they don't, eating. or eating and feeding is the same thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Because I mean, for us, I mean, even our older kids, we're feeding them. That's our job. Their job is to do the eating. Right. Yeah. But I find that a lot of doctors don't really talk about it. Or even if they do, when fam when families come to them and tell them that it's a problem, it's causing me stress, the doctors will just say, well, um, they'll come around or they get better. they'll get better and they don't realize how much stress it is. So I would say, oh gosh, in my intakes, I oh, like when I go for picky eating mm -hmm. or for babies with reflux or, you know, mom's bawling. Like, yeah. it's it so, so emotional. Stressful. It's yeah. so stressful. It's very stressful. And here's the other thing I'm going to say, and I'm totally going to be gendered here because I find that a lot of the times, and this isn't true all the time, but with a lot of the families I work with, it's the, the, the birthing parent who mm -hmm. does a lot of that feeding work. Right. And they feel that they don't have a lot of support. And it, it's, it, I, if you're constantly the one, three meals a day with a child that eats really terribly, it's going to weigh on you. Right. And as a mom, I see the moms just like, they just break down and they feel so rejected and they feel like, oh, I'm such a failure. And a lot of times... It, it's just, it just takes setting up some schedules, setting up a little bit of support. And so really one of the big things I'm doing with parents is that scheduling piece and helping them develop confidence because they're so scared that their kids aren't going to eat and that their kids are not going to grow properly. They're not going to have proper brain development and then they're going to struggle. And a lot of times it's just giving them the confidence to be like, no, you're the parent. You need to set the boundaries. I will help you do that. Mm -hmm. and, and nothing then bad is going to happen to your child if your kid, nothing bad is going to happen if your child doesn't eat for two days. Like yeah. really nothing bad is going to happen to your child. Worse is if they have only carbs every day for the next five years yeah. of their life. That is not good for your kid's development. Yeah. And the other thing is that when kids get iron deficient, which is a very common thing because mm -hmm. I mean, Elias has lots of protein, but Tons. the most picky thing for children, I think more than fruits and vegetables is protein. Elias got, like, Some kids have turkey, like, literally yeah. will eat a freaking pepper. So you're, you're, so you're lucky for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah for sure. When too, moms but, tell yeah. me I have a picky eater and then they tell me if they're eating yeah. a lot of proteins, I'm like, okay. Yeah, they're easy the, to train. They're yeah. easier to train. We can yeah. fix this yeah. fairly right. easily. But the kids yeah. that are drinking milk all day or yes, dairy all day and carbs, that is for sure the most common in terms of picky eating in my experience. When you become iron deficient, 
deficient, which is very easy to become if you're not getting any source of protein on a regular, mm. those kids become pickier eaters, poorer sleepers. It messes with your brain. Everything. So yeah. you really have to get and that back on track. it's permanent damage. Yeah. It's permanent damage. So you really have to get that stuff on back on track and then they will be a better human. Wait, permanent damage. What is permanent damage? Iron so deficiency? So iron deficiency. Yes. Yeah, if you get to the point where it's actually iron deficiency anemia, yeah. there's... You become anemic. Yes, uh-huh. but when you're growing and developing, there when we look at the research, there's cognitive, like actual problems with growing and developing uh-huh. and learning that relate later on in life. So I don't know where this comes from, but I get so often that messaging, parents get that messaging that it's actually really uncommon to have iron deficiency or it's really hard to become iron deficient or that you need tons and tons and tons of milk for your bones. Yeah. And I think those things go together. So parents I find are often like really focused on kids getting enough milk, quote unquote, kids don't actually need that much calcium and they certainly mm-hmm. do. Need, they don't need any milk. They need a source of calcium. But when kids, uh, some kids become very addicted to milk because yeah. it's super sweet and is easy mm-hmm. to drink Sugar. and you could do it all day long. Right. Yeah. And then some kids will fill up on milk and then milk does two things. One, if it fills up your belly, you don't have appetite for food, including right. things that are iron rich. And two, when you have too much milk, it actually leaches iron from your intestines. So drinking milk does not have iron. So I can't be more clear on this. Mm-hmm. Milk doesn't have iron. So it, uh, and it could decrease your iron, but a lot of people think it has iron in it. Milk doesn't help with iron. Yeah. So no. yeah. So when you're filling up your belly with milk, you have less appetite for, for protein rich things. And, yeah. um, and, and, and as, as I mentioned, it really does mess with your brain. Like when I get consulted on kids that are picky eaters, I almost always do blood work on these kids. And oftentimes they are iron deficient. And then we get them on an iron supplement and food that has more iron in it. It's dramatic. They see me back in a month or so. And like parents are like, they're eating so much better and they're sleeping so much better. And there's less tamper tantrums. And I didn't do anything of that. All I did was fix their iron deficiency. So it feeds into itself. It becomes a bigger issue as they're eating more poorly and more poorly as they go. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I love that you're talking about this because that's the other thing that I see happen a lot. I spend a lot of time on the phone with doctors being like, no, you need to test for iron deficiency. And they're like, well, they're getting some formula or they're still growing. Um, maybe we should wait a little while, but... I love that you're saying this. It's not so uncommon. It's really not uncommon. And uh, and it can make them, I mean, a lot of people think too, you have to be like, what is a ghost or have no energy or like be sickly looking to be iron efficient, but it doesn't look like that in all people. Mm -hmm. And some kids have actually great energy, but you do their Mm -hmm. iron levels and they're terrible Uh and and it's still affecting their brain. So anyway, so, you know, kids eat a source of iron. So my dogma is this for, for toddlers plus, and it's really easy and you can, I don't know, it's kind of made up, but you can tell me what you think. So a kid, Elias's age or more. Two and a half, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's say two plus or 18 months plus. Uh-huh. Need, they need three things. And almost always they'll be decently balanced if they have three things. One is eight ounces of calcium a day. So that could be milk or yogurt, yogurt. or cheese or broccoli or nuts or seeds or tofu, seaweed, lots of things. Okay. So they could be vegan. They can have a dairy allergy. But if they're getting eight ounces of calcium, they're pretty much good. They need their fistful, that child's fistful a day of protein at a minimum. So most kids, it's like an egg a day. 
if you think about the volume of an egg, yeah. but that could be, again, tofu, nuts, seeds, um, meat, chicken, eggs, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that volume of protein a day is pretty good. So if a kid, Eliza's age, has two eggs tomorrow today, they probably don't need that much protein tomorrow. It's yeah. kind of an average. Yeah? Right. And, and some kids will eat three eggs. And that's, you know, Austin, my 21-month-old can eat three eggs, no problem. The next day, he doesn't need, need as much iron, okay? But their fistful a day, whatever that size of the fist mm-hmm. is. And what I say is enough fruit or veg per day that they're having at least one soft stool. Mm-hmm. And that's not measuring everything and calculating, mm-hmm. you know, daily allowances. It's just mm-hmm. kind of generic. Right. Enough yeah. fiber that they're pooing, their fistful of protein, and right. eight ounces of calcium. And if your kid is getting that, they're probably decently well yeah. vitamin, nutrient dense, et cetera. <laughs> Whatever that verb would be. The kid is vitamin, <laughs> The medical now, I was say hydrated, terms. but what's the medical version? Like the food version of hydrated. Right. But anyway, you get the point. Yeah. 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 I know, does exact, that seem reasonable? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that seems like amazing advice because it's yes. simple. Yes. And I really don't like it when parents are, I mean, I work with a lot of families that want to track yes. specifically the amounts of food and nutrients and and I tell them like no that's that's not setting you up I don't for calculate success. anything. I've never measured any of my kids' food or my own. I don't no. calculate my calories and, and, and my fat. And I think that's and... the healthy yeah. way to yeah. approach relationship with food, right? Yeah. Because if you are so if you have a two and a half year old and they are smart and they are going to recognize what you're doing in terms of tracking food. That's not setting them up for a healthy relationship with food later. And so a lot of the work we do is really helping kids figure out how much they need to eat. And so it's exactly that piece around one day they may eat a ton. The next day they may hardly eat anything. And for some kids that might look like they're going through a growth spurt and yeah. for a week they will eat a ton of food and you'll yeah. just be like, oh my gosh, how Who's are they kid? going? Yeah. yeah. How are they going through this? Yeah. And then maybe the next week they self-regulate and their portions are a lot smaller. Yeah. And a lot of times what I find is parents really look at the every meal and they want to make sure that they get that full balance plate at every single meal. And, it, and then that's where the pressure comes in. So if they provided, say, an egg and toast at breakfast and all the kid ate was a bite of egg and the toast, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't know if the kid has enough iron. And they start trying to get the kid to eat the egg. And that is where they start butting heads and things start to go downhill if that keeps happening, keeps happening over and over again. So many questions that are going to start. Okay. Or they look online and they're like, it has to be this many grams of protein a day and this many grams of whatever. They talk about how to combine the foods and they have to get it all. these rules yeah. like similarly when you're starting solids people look online and they find that it has to be cereals first and then this type of yeah. cereal and this cereal and then I green hate- vegetables and then red vegetables that is all bullshit and not evidence based give yeah. your kids a new food every couple of days it could be a protein it could be a fruit it could be a vegetable it could be a grain ingredients yeah don't get don't get yeah <laughs> um, I could tell the story if you want but don't 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 give so many things at once because okay. if there's an allergy you'll know it's better to, easier to know what the allergy was but um, I also don't love starting with grains. I find grains very constipating. I hate box cereals. And Nestle or whoever's going to come after me now. But <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of box cereals. I think fake food is gross. And with our own kids, we did like fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables and protein to start. And we introduced grains, yeah. real grains, like 
quinoa and millet yeah. and still cut out real actual grains yeah. because I find very commonly kids have these box cereals and they get constipated and they have low fiber and, and then it's a bad experience. And sometimes it's just the um, the sheer quantity because I have yeah. parents that will start with an infant cereal because they got that list from their doctor that yes. says start with yeah. rice cereal yes. and they'll go to feeding them three really big portions in a day yeah. and then you're like, yeah, obviously they're constipated. Because you just put so, chalk in their body. You put, and yeah. it's they haven't been eating. This is yeah. so much food too, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So just really, um, I do use infant cereals depending on the scenario. So with my vegan families, we actually often do use infant cereals. See, I still don't. I still do things more like lentils and beans and tofu yeah. and nuts and seeds. I'd much rather my nutrients and my kids' nutrients mm-hmm. and my patients' nutrients yeah. to come from food that's real. So yeah. I, I, for that reason, I, I also don't love like toddler puffs and things like that. I'm all about like real food for children. And I absolutely think that is the best case scenario. And then it really depends on what families are able to do. Right. Because I find, at least for myself, sometimes when parents are really overwhelmed, providing all of the food as whole foods becomes too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I totally so hear I think that. it's interesting. In terms of like, if we, if we zoom out a bit, I think there's two things that I'm hearing, which I okay. think are interesting. I feel like a lot of the responsibility of a breastfeeding mother as the person who provides milk, right? It's confusing, right? Mm-hmm. So I, my, the main source of my kid's diet for as a first time mom is milk and I'm supposed to produce milk, right? Yes. And then basically as they get older, you're like, oh wait, like take the gas off the milk pedal mm-hmm. and like let's now accelerate a bit on the solids, right? So there's that piece of like, You'll okay, also as, let make less milk as you go too. So well, you don't have the same amount of milk at the beginning. The systemic relationship between a woman's job as the feeder yes. of the food and then having a confusion yeah. about milk and yeah. the relationship as a mother feeder. And sometimes role, that's right? hard to let go too, right? right? As to a like, mom. Mm-hmm. Correct. So that's number one. And then number two, I'm thinking about um, two things, which is like, being a child of the 80s, like growing up myself on freaking Chef Bayardee and yeah. Oreos. Craft dinner. Craft dinners as like yeah. my basic, you know, like hungry man meals as a family. Like Absolutely. that was the norm. Or my parents following the food structure of like, we made a, like, a huge bowl of pasta every night, you know, hundreds of pieces of chicken for six adults, like basically kids. And then like um, a Caesar salad. And that was every single night. Like, cause mm-hmm. that was what they did, right? To feed yeah. four, four adult children, four grown we children. We also ate, ate yeah. not so well. I ate, I ate bread and cheese like most of my, adult like life. not like even grown, adult life, but like children. growing yeah. up, like my, my mom, yeah. and we spoke about this before, my mom made like meals on Sunday, froze them. Right. We ate a few good meals in a week, but oftentimes I'd have the bowl of pasta and I would also go have melted cheese on toast. Like that mm-hmm. was just my thing for years. And I was right. a vegetarian for years and all I ate was cheese on toast. Dude, like I, I was the worst vegetarian ever. My cooking was put making mozzarella yes. in a bowl and putting it in the microwave and then eating the mozzarella. <laughs> yeah, right. That was our thing. I would have put that on <laughs> toast, but it would be the exact <laughs> same thing, but on but toast. Like every day we would like milk a cheese string yeah. and that was like, yeah. yes, that was snack. Yes. You know? That's so I think it's interesting. And then I also think like women have an unhealthy relationship to food, period. And like as a mother or as a woman, like I nurture my child. When my child's not well, they suckle. Like maybe yeah, it's not for even. Sure. So we soothe with food. Mm-hmm. As Jews, like as a Jew, I celebrate with food. We mourn yeah. with food. Everything is mm-hmm. with food. So it's not just like food as fuel. It's like food as everything. And I think that maybe perhaps translates into like the zooming out of like this fucked up relationship 
this generation mm. has with food. But that's why I want it to be social experience. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want there to be the same stress and anxiety around it. You know, these kids that are picky eaters, parents wake up and they think, oh, what are they going to have for breakfast? And then, oh my God, what are they going to do for lunch? And then before dinner, like for the entire afternoon, yeah, they're like, all what can I make? It's all consuming. What yeah. are they going to eat? What are they going to do when they're not going to eat? They're going to not sleep well. And they're going to feed them at two in the morning. And it becomes all consuming and so stressful. But I'm also saying a woman or adult woman's yes. relationship with food, an yes. unhealthy relationship. 100%. With food. And maybe having a body image issue, being like, I'm a fat mm-hmm. kid because my yeah. parents let me eat this shit. So now my kid is going to eat a fucking plate that's cut in four and there's going to be a vegetable and a fruit. And a fruit. like that is a lot yeah. of pressure to put it's on themselves. It's a lot of mm-hmm. pressure. And it's, it's really trying to say, well, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to have a fat kid, right? Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to have that same right. bad relationship with food. And so this is where think? it gets super tricky. And right. I work with, so part of my practice is working with adults, a lot of adults working around the relationship with food and repairing it. And there's many reasons why we have issues with food. I, I mean, certainly what we're saying, so I want to go back to what you were saying about we use food for everything, right? right. To celebrate. Food is more than fuel. Right. It should be more than fuel, right? right? I agree. We so, should celebrate with food. We should absolutely. enjoy food. Absolutely. Yeah. The problem becomes, so say you're using food to soothe yourself. If that is your only coping mechanism, right. that is a problem. Right. If you're using food as the only way to con- congratulate yourself for a job well done or to celebrate for that becomes a problem. Right. Right. But it should be, (laughs) it should be part of it. I totally agree. So I I believe just some people have an unhealthy adult relationship and it translates. So this is where I do a lot of that work around intuitive eating. Right. And that by the way, so basically what it is in this is simplifying and breaking it down is the idea that when we're born, we have innate hunger and satisfaction cues. We know. So a perfect example is a baby who's nursing and the mom and babe are in tune, right? The baby knows when they're hungry. They cry. They tell you they want to feed. Mom feeds baby. Baby knows when they're, they've had enough to I eat and they today, stop, so right? Now you're falling. Yeah. Now we're talking about <laughs> leaking. Yeah. Now that we're talking nurse. about yeah. nursing, right? Yeah. And the idea is that when you're introducing solids, when you're feeding your toddlers, your older kids, you're helping them maintain those hunger and satisfaction signals. Mm -hmm. Now, I would argue that many moms of our generation also grew up in that fucked up 90s diet culture. Yes. So many of us will have moms who were always on a diet or we will have other like aunts or your mom's friends and they were talking about these things all the time. They were always trying these diets. I mean, I remember um, my best friend's mom when I was growing up was an aerobics instructor Mm -hmm. and we used to do buns of steel with her. (laughs) We used Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like all of these. And when you go back and watch these, the messaging is insane in it, right? It's all about being slim for the sake of being slim, right? Like it's really focused on that. And so that's also ingrained on us. And we've uncoupled the notion of food and health. So it's become, as long as I'm thin, I'm healthy, which is often not true, right? And so that is where I think that a lot of parents need to work 
if they have those issues. Mm-hmm. And when I go and do an assessment with a family, one of the first questions, probably the most important question that I ask that I want to know is, what do you want the food culture to be like in your family? Like, what do you question. want it to yeah, be? What's your goal? That's great. I yeah. love that question. And thinking long term, like, are you good? Do you have? And so I usually ask them kind of three follow up questions. So that's the big one. And thinking about what are the positive memories or associations you have with food growing up is there cultural things that you really want to pull in and keep as part of your family's culture Mm -hmm. spiritual whatever it be and then thinking about what are some of the negative associations you have with food or what are some things that happened around food in your family growing up that you did not like And then pulling those two together and thinking about what do I want to teach my kids about food? What do I want my kids to know about food? And then that also relates to bodies, right? Because they're linked. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's great. I freaking love that. Mm -hmm. I think Dina is like an exemplary human in all aspects of life. (laughs) Right, Andrew? Um, but it's but it's it, easier. No, but I'm saying though, yeah. you've made yeah. it a priority, and yeah. maybe because yeah, of your sure. career and who you are as a person. Yeah. But like, but it actually ins- truly I makes find, it easier. And I know, but I'm inspired, yeah. right, by yeah. that because we really do try to achieve mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And uh, I just think about a lot about that about that sort of like a intergenerational relationship to food mm-hmm. and where it lands within your family. So my husband's a professional chef by training. And like he, we celebrate food. Our food is great. We mm-hmm. cook every day. We don't batch cook like every day. It's like, yeah. what's for dinner? We're making for dinner that night. So, you know, tonight he made a back of like a rack of ribs. I wasn't home, but everyone enjoyed them. And he made pizza for Elias still, right? So I really want to sort of push the envelope because mm-hmm. I have a, my own vested interest. <laughs> he has like the his- best access to food, Elias. Like I want to yes. be Elias in your house. Yes. Like, you know, he <laughs> should, like, he but should love what, bone yeah. marrow and right. like eating oyster like jus, yeah. you know? That's amazing. And Elias is like, Eating like oaf tof like a uh, dinosaur. Uh, yeah, fucking. yeah. Stop, stop putting this shit in the microwave. No, we don't put it in the microwave. You know what I mean? Like the the, yeah. co- the stuff that lives in the freezer. What, but when Elias was younger, I mean, he was. Eat, I mean, he started eating charcuterie very young. Like he'll eat mm-hmm. cold cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's very interesting. So tell me. So the intuitive eating is just knowing when to stop eating, like knowing your hunger cues. Yeah. So I, okay. A really good example is I work with a ton of adults who have been dieting on and off all of their life. I'm sitting right here. Yeah. And so a lot of women, a lot of restriction around food. Yes. And the thing that drives me, like it blows my mind is I'll ask them, well, what do you like to eat? And they can't even tell me anymore what they like to eat or, they don't know if they're hungry or, you know, like I have a lot of clients that have muted their hunger cues. So denied themselves food, denied themselves food so that when they wake up in the morning, they don't ever feel hungry. And so a lot of the work is restoring some of those signals. And that's where it is. It's not just knowing when you're full and how to stop eating, but it's also knowing what your body needs for nourishment, how to nourish it properly, and for yourself. And couple that with postpartum yeah. body image issues. Absolutely. And just like a changing body where like for the first time it was socially acceptable to have that hard, firm, beautiful, round belly to having this like, you know, basically Gush. like a bowl of jelly, yeah. jello and mm-hmm. then trying to be like, okay, what is eating? Like how do I eat food? Do yeah. I, I mean, you know, when does it happen? And I know like for instance, like because as a started solids, there's that old adage like when they stop, when they when they start eating solids, you can stop eating, right? Mm. Like that's the sort of idea is that when you're a nutritional, um, like when you're not their sole life source for food anymore, mm. you can start like, 
being restrictive. I'm being 100 percent on this is 100. This is dogma. This is like mm-hmm. I'm 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 like I'm the uh, the gold standard of like average Joe girl who like is going through this process, you mm-hmm. know. So, mm-hmm. what do you say about that, um, Jay? What's your opinion on those sorts of things? Yeah, I mean the the struggle is real, right? It really yeah. is, and I think that mo- I, I would say most women have some body image issues postpartum. It, it's just I such think always. I think most women have body image issues always. Yeah. And postpartum when you no longer have that beautiful hard belly yeah. and your child's getting older, like you say, like people expect that you're going right. to, a person intuitively feels like, I'm okay, I just yes. delivered. But then they start eating food and they're moving around and they're like big people and then people stop looking at you like, oh yeah, you just delivered, now you right. should get your shit together. So it's so funny, Dina. I have this whole thing right now that I'm being on Instagram where I'm trying not to wear shirts that say mom on it. Mm -hmm. And I realized the reason I was doing it is because when I'm in public, I want people to know when I'm not with my kids, I'm a mom. This is the excuse for the body. Uh, I am a mom. And I realized that's why I was doing it. I'm trying to get away from saying like mama bear, mom. I mean, this is my workshop shirt. I'm wearing a mom boss shirt right now. But I realized like every slogan shirt I had was a reference to the fact that I'm a parent Mm -hmm. and that's my identity. And I like slogan shirts in general. I always have. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to get away from sort of saying, I'm apologizing publicly like an excuse, that my mean. baby yeah. is already seven months and I'm not yet back in my fucking and skinny jeans, right? This and I have goes to tell back you, it's to really, the diet culture. It's it, totally diet culture, right? So we've talked about this before with Dara and other people, but like the fact that it's sort of, the, if we're peeling the onion off mm-hmm. the, the layers off the onion, I think this is deeply seated in mm-hmm. the parenting relationship and trying to protect your children yeah. from not only that sense of, unhealthy relationship with food but that sense of self and that identity and that worth being defined by like is somebody watching you eat right like yeah. I've, I've had that before like as a fat girl complex being like people are watching me eat and they're saying mm, yeah that's why you're judging fat. or whatever that's why yeah. you're fat yeah. right well I think all of this is like the whole perfection culture right we should be the what culture perfection so we should be perfect in pregnancy we should be perfect right after our kids right. should be perfect eaters and perfect sleepers and perfectly right. well behaved and all that pressure gives you gives you so much that pressure makes us crazy, right? And and that's why we go to the internet. We find like, mm-hmm. we should do this and this and this. And if you don't do it that way, then you're shamed into feeling like you're a bad parent because you're not right. feeding them the amounts they should or the in the way that we should and all that, right? Yeah. There's no best way, right? Um, yeah. I have no opinion on that. I'm like not a professional. You are, we lo- I love this podcast, not because we're the host and it's our podcast, <laughs> but I love this podcast because we have sort of have this like pedestrian and expert sort of conversation all the time because mm-hmm. I try to be the voice of the people like parents are saying what if like I'm the bottom of the barrel here you know um, <laughs> Alana is the <laughs> bottom of the barrel you heard <laughs> that here first oh my goodness <laughs> but you know what I mean like that's you know the struggle is real I think for all of these pieces so Jay what's your biggest piece of advice then like when you impart with parents I guess is my question is like if someone's listening to this and they can only listen for this next three minutes like what is the piece you want people to know what is your What's your fight song here when it comes to this conversation? Yeah, so definitely saying fuck you to diet culture is yes. a huge one. Fuck you to diet culture. Love it. And really, we're, and that is where we need, okay, so when we think about that piece, and so if moms recognize this in themselves, I yeah. think that's really important. And then really thinking about, how can you improve your relationship with food and then also set your kids up to have a positive one, right? And so with that piece, that's where I actually love getting moms coming to me either when they're still pregnant and starting to think about what they want their food to 
experience to be with their kids because oftentimes we don't yes. think about it till we've actually started feeding of our kids. Not. Yeah. No, we're right. there's so many other things going on. So thinking about that early yes. and really thinking about language. That's the other really big key. So I'm a really big proponent of getting rid of all of the moral judgment around food. So give us an example, like riff on yeah. that a bit. Yeah. So I would absolutely say I don't use the words good or bad for food. I don't, when I'm talking to my kids, use healthy or unhealthy because they cannot understand what that means. I would never, so a really good example would be something like, I would never say you can only have one cookie because they're not that healthy or things that people come to me and say all the time is like, I had a six-year-old kid telling me how many grams of sugar she was allowed to eat in a day and riffing off how many grams were in each of the, her snack items that she likes and that she could only have this or this if that she had the this. shit out of me. Yeah, it's fucking frightening, right? And so getting rid of looking at labels, stopping with talking about calories. If you are making a change to your diet as a parent, don't talk about it in terms of like, I'm eating this way because I need to lose weight. Mm -hmm. What is the positive? Like, why are you eating this way? Because you want more energy, because mm -hmm. you want to be, you're maybe you're, or same with working out. Don't say I'm working out so I can lose weight. It's I'm working mm -hmm. out so I can be stronger. So trying to get rid of some of those things. I also don't use words like junk food around my kids. I would never say to my kid, you know, McDonald's is junk food because they're going to get exposed to it. And I want them to be able to, to eat as much or as little of it as they want and just be done with it. Right. I want all food to be on an even playing field right. because when you put... Top shelf it. Yeah. yeah. So if you think like, oh, I can only have this once in a while or I have to eat all of my vegetables to get this dessert, that dessert gets put up on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So trying to give all foods, make it all very neutral. Yeah. And in that piece, again, it's not meaning that you're just going to let them have free reign, right? It's just more getting rid of that moral judgment around yeah. it. I think everything in moderation too. So, right. you know, if kids are allowed to gorge on junk, mm -hmm. junk, you know what I mean? I'm going to use that term easily yeah. here with you guys. But um, if they're able to gorge on unhealthy foods or they never allowed to have it, I feel like that often leads to kids binging on those things. So mm -hmm. I think everything in moderation, just like myself and just like my kids, yeah. we should all be allowed to have a variety of things right. on a regular basis so that nothing becomes like, obsessive right you know? or like, off, to off, yeah. off limits like some right. families that tell me that like their kids are not allowed any food that has like sh like you know yeah. non-natural sugars in it they go to birthday parties and they drink like three juice boxes and you uh, know run around we having, had like, a kid handfuls of food juice boxes yeah. at a party because right. they had never had juice before this is a seven-year-old child I, I, have a, I have a patient that practice as I yesterday the parents are separated and they live in two different homes and mom has this no sugar rule like no non-natural sugars like fruit is fine but it um, at the father's house, the kid have whatever they want. So this child who's nine or so has a little fridge in his bedroom and he stocks it with cans oh of Coke no. and he literally will have three or four more cans of Coke in a day. And it goes back to the next day, day to mom's house and has like just vegetables and protein that goes back a couple of days later, has many cans of Coke. Like that is not a healthy relationship for food no. for this kid. And you know, the, the power struggle there is, is not wow. a good one. Right. So I think, I think we should, you know, whether you're together or you're separate, as, as caregivers, we should be mindful page. of of yeah. moderation uh -huh. and mm -hmm. and the effect that 
our relationship with food has on the child, right? Mm -hmm. So not to be too restrictive, but not to be too casual about it, but have a healthy relationship as we're coming back to. So everything in moderation, I think is much better than, than being super restrictive or being super lenient either. Jay, we honestly, we could do like five sub episodes (laughs) on this one topic. (laughs) Like, cause I think infant, infant feeding or baby feeding or first feeding Mm -hmm. nursing. I, I don't even like the word feeding. I like the word nursing. I feel like it's like a nicer term for, tit feeding i don't know i don't know i don't like, <laughs> like it i don't like i don't like the word feeding when people go i need to like feed i'm like you're nursing it's like a beautiful magical thing yeah. you know um does then, feeding like, have a negative connotation for you I the word feeding i don't know why i don't like it oh. it sort of means like, like mm. troughing i don't like eating at a trough like like piglets like <laughs> they kind like, of are <laughs> like that like they i'd rather say it's nursing like no yeah. but when i look at essa you know and she's like looking at me you know her new thing is like when she's nursing and like let's say you're here she'll like look okay you're still here and then she'll yeah. come back to nursing and she's mm-hmm. like okay you're still here yeah, you're still connected so to that like breast keep, yeah she'll, she'll like yeah. flip over to whoever's next to me and be like okay right. person's still here that's a good thing yeah. so she mm-hmm. wants somebody to like you know whoever her person is um I digress, but I'm saying for each age and stage, it's a different relationship mm-hmm. with food and like that next level. And I think for me, what's interesting is like, you're like, you're a twilighting on the tween stuff, you know, is like, I'm, I have a daughter now. So I'm feeling like a very major, um, responsibility to make sure that like I set a different tone mm-hmm. for her. And I, I don't know, I don't want my kids to be chubby and I'd also don't want them to be you know, I don't know, like iron deficient. And I also don't want to be an insanely obsessive compulsive, I'm not at all, um, person who reads labels. But I grew up with my parents showing me how to read labels because that was supposed yeah. to be a responsible parenting strategy. Mm-hmm. You better think I look at grams of sugar and everything I eat. I do. Yeah. Obsessively because that's what I grew up doing. It's like mm-hmm. I always look at everything. And it was smart to read labels because other people weren't reading labels, right? So I think it's great for kids to have an understanding of what they're eating, you know? Right. But I wouldn't Preparing, be framing like, it. You must prepare food. Andrew does a lot of pr- food Yeah, oh, yes, that's another right? a whole yeah. other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the kids get go, get groceries with Andrew every week. Too, right? They yeah. pick the groceries, they pick new fruits it. and veg. Yeah. Like what what protein do you want for the week and they'll be like I want that chicken breast or I want that chicken thigh whatever. It really Oh, it's great. And then they do. They help us cook. And I think that's yeah. really valuable because we know very well from from studies that kids that pick the food and prepare the food are more likely to eat the food, Smart. you know, no matter what it is, right? And they got to pick that it was, you know, yeah. yellow peppers or green peppers, you know? And so yeah. the key thing with that is involving them with it, but not letting them pick it at the point of it's already prepared, right? right. So my kid helps with meal plan. We meal plan. It, it, it helps him he can pick a couple of meals in the week that he can decide but the same idea we kind of give him a a structure like we need a vegetable we usually do too we need two vegetables we need Mm -hmm. a starch of some sort or a grain and we need a protein and he can help me put put that together yeah and so i don't tell him the specifics of why we're doing this but that is the way that we put together a well-balanced meal. And then the other thing I would say with how to kind of get away from thinking about the labels and things too with kids, talking to them about how food makes them feel is really, really powerful. So poo, mm-hmm. <laughs> poo's a huge one. We do the same one. thing. We do the same so thing. if they just eat crap for a while and they don't eat any fiber and they don't eat any vegetables, guaranteed they're going to have bad poos. And so talking to them about that <laughs> 
is yeah. oh, and kids, today. Yeah. I don't know kids love it. talking yeah. about it too right so yeah. trying to get them to problem solve or if they go to a birthday party and they eat so much Junk sugar foods. and yeah. then they feel really like my kid gets headaches if he eats too mm-hmm. much sugar mm-hmm. and he's starting to put that piece together and you know the idea like well, why do you think you feel like that is there something that you ate that was different than normal and they can start telling you that and then they're the ones pulling that out yeah. and recognizing that yeah if all I do is eat sugar I feel really bad or my kid has noticed that if he eats those the popsicles that have the dyes in them yeah. guaranteed he's going to get a tummy ache afterwards and so he's starting to make those connections and his own connections are so, so much more valuable Absolutely. I feel like you know along with what you're saying we had I, we've had two wins recently with with my eldest in terms of nutrition so yesterday we were at an event with the school and they had pizza and mm-hmm. vegetables and fruit and like snack food and then ice cream sandwiches at the end mm-hmm. and Dylan who's eight now came up to me at the end they all had their ice cream sandwiches and Dylan was like mommy should I eat this or will this make my tummy hurt because I just ate a lot of other food and I was like dude you're so smart yeah. you just like you know and he ate it and I was like I don't know it's up to you what do you think he's like I think I'm okay I was like so have it that's great <laughs> and then we were on vacation recently and he said mommy I think I'm having too much white stuff and I was like what do you mean he's like my poo's a little bit harder and I was like mm-hmm. so have more fruits and veg like he knew that already he knew uh-huh. that he was having more white stuff you know white bread and mm-hmm. things like that that he doesn't typically eat but he had that awareness and yeah. I was like parenting win like that worked <laughs> yeah. yeah that's you know? amazing right and it wasn't it wasn't judgmental I wasn't <laughs> telling him he was like I think I need to up my fiber you know, and was, having them identify yeah. it always works totally. better totally. than you like, saying when? you when? need to eat more vegetables. Yes. I can't wait for that. Exactly. You know, Dara, 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 Dara. Yeah. I always fuck up everyone's name. Um, from from Belly Bootcamp bought Mom Bod Love. Mm-hmm. She was like, she said something. She's like, oh man, like I grew up. She was talking about bread, and bread is such an interesting thing, right? Because she was like, I when she was like dieting or whatever, she's like, my kids had never eaten bread because I didn't have bread in the house because I had a bad association with carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. She's like, can you imagine your kids being in the house with bread? And I was like. I don't buy bread because I have a bad. So I like went on this like frenzy of buying tons of bread and having so like many multiple. That's <laughs> <laughs> like why do you keep buying so much bread and putting it in the freezer? I'm like our kids need to know what bread is. I can't have a family that doesn't understand what bread is. So it's all jarring, right? I find the whole thing is so jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see why somebody could have like need you, like need a professional and a pediatrician who understands to guide them. You need a Sherpa, you know. You need a nutritional Sherpa to show you the way because there's so many. Um, there's so much discourse around this and there's so many ways to turn and there's so many thoughts about how to do food. So it's just so interesting to me, Jay. I love it. I love this shit. Dina. Yes. Parting thoughts. Parting thoughts. Make, make it social. Enjoy your time with your family. Mm -hmm. Stop battling around it. They're not going to starve to death. Do you breakfast together too? We do. Breakfast and, and dinner. Yeah. And yeah. on the weekends, lunch as well. And yeah. do you do a fast breakfast? Do you guys do? Oh, yeah, super fast. Give My kids get up at 7.30. Almost always cereal. Yeah. My kids get up at 7.30. We leave the house at 8. Like, it's very, very brief. But they come down, they pick... <laughs> this is Andrew's rule. Only four different cereal boxes are allowed open at one time. This is totally <laughs> arbitrary. This is an Andrewism. But they're they're healthy-ish cereals. Like we don't have like Cocoa Puffs, but they yeah. have like Shreddies as an example, mm-hmm. or like oatmeal squares. Like they're not sugar-free, but they're not super sugary either. Right. Um, and they, they the first kid to get downstairs will we'll take four bowls and four spoons, leave them out on the table, and then when you come down, you can pick one of the four cereal boxes, that and milk. 
and that's the meal. Like that, mm-hmm. it's so so simple. We're mm-hmm. like I said, like everything in moderation. We're not crazy obsessed with those things. I do not have time nor patience to make eggs or pancakes, whatever, mm-hmm. for breakfast. On the weekend, they have other things. Like they might have toast or might make something more fancy. Lunch is real food, and on the weekend we make it together. Whether it's again pancakes or eggs or whatever, and then dinner on the weekends we sit down as a family that, and Andrew cooks often with the kids and mm-hmm. makes things fresh. Almost always, sometimes not, but almost always. Yeah. Um. And on and my nanny makes us dinner each night, mm-hmm. and the kids have some say into what that might be like they ask for their favorites like oh i really want pasta tonight or i really want chicken tonight or, mm. or whatever that is and we come home and we i typically eat with them and often eats later but we still are together as a family yeah and they might be at like the counter the four of them mm. and we're facing them we may not be sitting with them at the table sitting mm. with you know but but it's a social experience and the yeah. four kids always eat together and we almost always join them at least for part of the meal and the weekend we're sitting at the table the six of us etc and and we have like routines around it like i think we've talked about before we, we have, have what's your favorite part of the day and what what are you thankful for right. so it becomes time, yeah. yeah it becomes a, a part it's again it's a social experience it's when i find out my how my kids day was and what didn't go well and and if they eat great and if they don't eat it's okay. Like yeah. I, I really, we don't ask them to eat more, like eat more or don't, but you're not yeah. moving on to the next stage. And, and that's it. We really don't force it. It's a slippery slope. They're like, have one more bite or finish this bite before you get something else. Like it really is a, that's yeah. what a discourse is very exhausting. Yeah. It's I want them to know that they're full, you know, just as what Jay was saying before, yeah. I want them to have a understanding yeah. of what makes them feel good. And, yeah. and, and maybe they had a great huge lunch and maybe they're having less dinner. And that's true for me too. I mean, sometimes yeah. I don't have a big dinner or any dinner mm-hmm. because I had a big lunch. Right. You know, or no breakfast and sometimes breakfast, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jay? What's like a day? I think people like to hear examples a little bit about yeah. what you do. So, like in the breakfast like, and dinner. And yeah. Lunch, what so, do you guys do? I, so, my husband works really long hours. He's often gone in the morning, sometimes before the kids wake up, and he's sometimes home before or not home till after they go to bed. Mm-hmm. So, usually, I most of the time we do a sit down breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself, I just feel better when I have a satisfying breakfast because I don't have time until later to have, like I don't have time to have snacks in the day and things like that. So we usually do something like an oatmeal. We do sometimes do eggs. I do a lot of prep ahead of time. So yes, you do. Even though. It's like Herculean. You should get an Olympic medal in <laughs> food prep. But it's it's it's, it's the only way that it saves my sanity because right. I feel like shit if we're ordering food in. I do we don't have family here. Yeah. We don't so it's a lot of and my husband travels for work too, which right. happens a lot of weeks. So it's literally like I want for my own sanity, I want to be able to have a nice breakfast. So we often will have eggs and oatmeal or I will have like freezer waffles or pancakes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing fancy. It takes if I want it to take about five minutes. To get on the table. Smoothies. What do you think about smoothies? I don't like smoothies for breakfast. No? No. For your family? For your kids? You don't recommend it? I I find it's too much sugar for them. Uh Even just the fruit. And I find that they get hungry fast soon afterwards, Uh even adding the protein. So I usually like having something that has more protein, like a high protein and more fat truthfully for mm-hmm. myself breakfast. and the kids for breakfast yeah. yeah and then lunch they do daycare lunches whatever it is yeah. yeah and then i do dinner at home or if my husband's home he will do it too what time do you guys eat dinner so we eat dinner early um we usually mm-hmm. eat dinner around 6 6 30 mm-hmm. and then they do bedtime around 7 7 30 so if so here's where it gets tricky sometimes like 
exactly that. Like maybe if I know my husband's going to be home in a little bit, I might not eat with them, but I might have a snack because I probably didn't eat since noon and I'll have a snack with them and then afterwards eat dinner with him or something like that. Yeah. So sometimes I'll have that too. Like I'll have something, you know, just, just the vegetable or just a salad or something. So I'm still eating something. I'm not eating the whole meal necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then Andrew always, always eats later because he, he'll work out afterwards. I work out first thing in the morning. Yeah. Let's actually talk about fat for one second. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of families are scared of fat. Oh my goodness, And they make their own meals low fat, uh, low fat proteins, low fat vegetables, salads, whatever. Mm -hmm. Kids really need a source of fat. This is like really very important. Um, And it doesn't have to be like, I don't mean fat like, you know, fast food fat. I mean fat like avocados and cheese and high fat proteins, not always, you know, all the skin off, all the just chicken breast, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Eggs. High fat proteins, high fat dairy. dairy with fat in it. Yeah, I I get a lot of families that are giving their kids skim milk. Yeah, or non-fat yogurt. Yeah, Yeah. kids need brain fat. They need fat, not for their bellies, but for their brain. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Olive oil or um, avocado <laughs> oil. I said, yeah. well, yeah. her bread in olive oil. Yeah. Lies, well, That's great. Not no, I'm kidding. Like, Extra yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So fat is important. And yeah. fat is important for adults too. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm speaking for someone that's keto, so I'm like all about healthy fats. But really, fat's important for kids. We should not be making everything low fat. It's not yeah. good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because we, my son will have a smoothie almost every day. But the smoothie is like two ice cubes of spinach, mm-hmm. you know, one half of a date, cinnamon, mm-hmm. like a little bit of... Um, of uh, blueberries and like that's it. Like, that's awesome. So it allows me at least you to just know want that protein. I'm Throw some more protein in there. Pardon? Is Throw that some protein for in there. Breakfast for or? breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. So I would do something that has protein and fat yeah. in, for the breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. often we'll have eggs. You could add into oh, yeah. Okay. like eggs yeah. also, and then my husband and I will make like he'll make like six eggs and then we'll share it with amongst yeah. the whole family. Mm-hmm. Or um, he'll have like a waffle or something easy or a bowl mm-hmm. of cereal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, he loves yogurt and the yogurt drinks are like, he's actually addicted. I have to get him stopping. Those are very addictive because they're, they're super very, duper, they're duper, so duper sweet. sweet. Yes, yeah. it's unbelievable. He's like one yogurt, five yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan of yogurt drinks. <laughs> one yogurt, five Yeah, so this yogurts. comes back to like parents yeah. feel like their kids need to have tons of milk. They do yeah. not and they definitely don't need yogurt drinks. Yeah, the yogurt yeah. drinks are like, a, like... They're crack. It's crack. It's yes. literally crack. Yeah. Crack is, you know... Yeah, and I don't think there's any bad. really healthier alternatives to yogurt drinks. Like I'm not aware of any that are low sugar. Yeah, or lower sugar. They're all very, Is kids very sweet. Powder. They don't most, need protein most, powder. They don't need protein powder. But most yeah. protein powders are fine for kids. Yeah. Like if you're okay. having a shake and you want your kid to have a sip, like that's okay. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. very few that are too like that are bad for them. But I would yeah. say if you're thinking like the smoothie, I was thinking you were doing just the smoothie. But it sounds. Oh no no, we yeah. do eggs, we do cereal, we do whatever. And then the morning, we don't always eat breakfast together. Monday through Friday, we just can't. It's like almost impossible. Mm -hmm. But on the weekends, we do. And then dinner, we try to at least sit with the kids, not necessarily eating what they're eating. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, my husband would like to also sometimes make a very nice meal multiple nights a week. Mm -hmm. I know I'm blessed. I don't tell anybody (laughs) because people hate me. Um, But and then we'll like sit down after the kids and have like a nice romantic meal, the two of us or Mm -hmm. just like catch up on our day. So. I always like to like set examples at least with these things because we could talk about them in theory, but in practice, like mm-hmm. how are you actually engineering yeah. engineering your life to make it work? And I you think know? what's awesome is three very different examples, right? right? Yeah. So there's many ways to make feeding yes. your kids a healthy, balanced meal work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And that meal, like for, for example, your example, Anna, if you yeah. guys are having this healthy meal after right. bedtime, that same meal can be repurposed for the next kid, the dinner the next day for the kid that eats earlier than you. Right. Like there's nothing to say that you have to pull something out of the freezer. Right. You can 
use those same food, just make extra of it, take it for lunch oh. the next day yourself yeah. or for your kid or serve that as the dinner for the next kid. It doesn't have to be freshly made every single day. It's so interesting. When we ordered something like, like last time we ordered sushi just because mm-hmm. I wanted the sushi. Elias is into it so much. Like he loves, like we're all sitting together. He'll sit for an hour. He like loves the edamame beans. He'll like pull them mm-hmm. out, eating the sushi rice. Like it's... Sushi's fun. Like yeah, I think that's fun. part of it. It's like we're all like excited about yeah. that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I find that with him, he'll sit for like five minutes at the table before he's done. Mm. And then he might come back and eat some more. But mm. like he's, you know, I'm not chasing him with a spoon. You know don't, what I mean? Yeah. We don't so it's what I call distraction eating. And I What's think distraction, it, eating? distraction eating is like you need something to distract your kid to eat. And it's the antithesis of what I think feeding should like, be with oh, the social, putting a toy on the table, putting an iPad on the table, yeah. turning right. everyone's attention is towards the, the screen right. um, or up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. Parents are often chasing their kids with spoons or, oh, come just back for one more minute. And then they run and go watch the screen again. So I really think that people should be facing each other, talking to each other. Yeah we're hardcore with this. My kids leave the table. You're done. That's the meal. You're, unless you went to go pee, you know, you're, you're done with the meal. Mm. So there's no up and down with us. Like once you leave the table, you're done. Yeah. We're hardcore clearly. But, but as a result, my kids eat the meal and then they're like, okay, we're done now. And then everyone mm. gets to leave at the How same time. How long do they sit for? Like the whole family? Um, our meals are less than half an hour yeah. most of the time. I mean, we might have like more of a social kind of talk conversation after, but right. in terms of the eating, my kids are eating for less than half an hour. Yeah. My husband and I are also very fast eaters. So like the whole yeah. thing is very fast. I would say we we often have meals that are about fifteen minutes. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. For sure. Yeah. Average, yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it's fast. I mean, like I said, my kids are in and out the door within half an hour. That's including brushing teeth, getting mm-hmm. dressed, putting yeah. shoes on, packing your bags. Like they're eating for like ten minutes, yeah. right? And not in some unhealthy, just like, you know, gobble it up kind of way. Yeah. But eating doesn't have to be this long pro- pro- protracted thing, nor do I think you should be feeding and feeding and feeding mm-hmm. your kid for an hour. Like that's right. a net who eats for an hour. Like why is that That's necessary? a Frankie Sunshine Cape uh, yeah. and Gander. <laughs> but how, how much food does one need in, you know, how much yeah. food can you eat oh, in an hour? God. It's an immense amount of food, right? I took so many videos of her eating, Jay. <laughs> I think though that age is just fun, right? Because yeah. they're also they're exploring yeah, food. And, and they're so touching it, and yeah. playing and yeah. squeezing yeah. things and it's very textural. Like I remember at that yeah. age yeah. it was the best for taking both of my kids out to restaurants because yeah. they would be so interested in everything and just sit there and hang out. Oh, I should probably take my kids to a restaurant. That, that's part of the that. enjoyment too, yeah. right? Like yeah. the, the textures and the feeling. And that's yeah. why I think I like grocery shopping too. They get to mm-hmm. see what that star fruit looks like and what right. does that different kind of plantain look like? How is yeah. it different than the banana? Like just seeing those kind of the sights, the smells, the the look of food, especially yeah. fruits and vegetables. Like it's fascinating for them. You yeah. know, it, it, fruit especially is cool. Yeah, it's no, very I cool looking. Banana this morning. I was very, very proud of him. Hmm. <laughs> 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 so if somebody wants to find you, where can they find you? Yeah. So they can find me on my website, which is just www.pometa.com uh-huh. or I'm at feeding.kids underscore intuitive eating on Instagram. Okay. So those are the main places okay, I hang out. You. Thanks for coming. Thanks, thank Jay. you for Honestly, having me. I'm not. It's be a three-hour <laughs> podcast. Okay, Andrew. Thank you, Doctor D. Have a good day, night, evening, weekend. Moms that say. What did we say that was funny? Moms that say fall. No, the one. Oh. That, what did we say today? That was moms that say. I don't know. We said something funny that was funny. I can't remember. I don't know. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoyed the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at MomsTO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.